Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. You know, several months ago, before we knew of isolation and, and masks and quarantine, we started this series called Hope in the Dark with the letters H-O-P-E behind me. These words remind us that there's a God of hope no matter what, even when situations seem hopeless. I think we all need, need that word. We need that word hope to resonate in our hearts. There's a lot of tension today. A matter of fact, some pastors and leaders like Rick Warren of Saddleback Church are talking today about how to be calm in a world that's become frustrated. And at week six, doing church online, there might be some of you that have grown frustrated. I know in areas of my life, there's a level of frustration that I've not sensed before or felt before with all the things going on. I'm just being honest because I know that at 9.40 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, you can handle the truth. But maybe you've grown frustrated too. Some businesses have closed. Some are working less hours than they'd like. Some have had the job that they loved, and now that job isn't there anymore. Some of you are sick. Some of you are caring for the sick. Some of you who are deemed essential workers, and thank God for you, you're frazzled, you're tired, stocking the grocery shelves, working in the restaurant, coming up with delivery plans for food. Or maybe you're in the healthcare profession where you're a doctor, a nurse, a caregiver. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're frustrated in these days. These are tiring days for all of you. And that causes a level of worry like never before. But a couple things I want to remind you, that God is still God, that God is at work, that God is on the move, and that God is with you, and he's for you. Sometimes we wonder if God keeps his promises. Is he really a promise keeper? Is he a promise breaker? A few weeks ago, we talked about the God who's known as Elohim, the God who is great, the God of all creation, the God who always was, always is, and always will be. Last week, we considered this miracle worker God, the God called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals thee. Remember, the children of Israel come to the water of Marah, and it's bitter. Just three days before, they cross the Red Sea, and they're cheering and praising God. And just 72 hours later, they're grumbling when they come to water again. The first time they had this water test, God proved to be greater than the water, more powerful than Pharaoh and all his armies, and could do the miracle of pushing the water back so they could cross on dry ground. Then they come to the bitter water that's unsuitable for drinking, and they're grumbling and complaining. It's easy for us to do too if we're not careful. But as we saw last week, God showed Moses a, a log. He throws the log into the water, and the water became drinkable. It became sweet water for them. Just think about that too, that symbolism of that log that Jesus Christ would die upon, a log for us, a beam for us, a bit of wood for us, and take all the bitterness of sin and bitterness of judgment away and give us eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a miracle. Well, today we're going to talk about Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who has promised to provide, 
and will provide. And if you have a Bible, you'll want to open to Genesis chapter 22, the first book of the Bible, the 22nd chapter. And here's what we read, Genesis 22, 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And let me ask you a question. Did you like tests growing up in school? Or maybe you're in school now. Do you, do you like tests? I love to do book reports and projects. And I would use color pencils and make my projects look really, really great. But I didn't like tests. You'd study till your brain hurt. And then you had to either fill in those little circles with the number two pencil, or you had to write something down, the answer was a spelling test with 500 words, and your brain hurt. I never liked tests. Maybe you like tests. Well, okay, God bless you. But I didn't like tests at all. Right now, we're going through a test. We're going through a test of whether or not we will trust God. We're going through a test of financial scarcity, a test of sickness, a, a test of loss, a test of anxiety, a test of being distanced from our friends that give us support and strength, a test from having church in an empty building. It's a test. Abraham was now going to experience the test of his life. Sometime later, it says, God tested Abraham. How about we ask this question, sometime later than what? <laughs> later than what? What happened sometime before? Well, Abraham's story takes up 13 chapters in the book of Genesis. The world had become a broken mess because of sin and the disobedience that humanity put against God. Abraham was 75 years old. He's living in modern-day Iraq. And God made three promises to him in Genesis, the 12th chapter. Here's what God said. Let me summarize them for you. God asked Abraham to leave his country and his promises to lead him to a land that he will show him. That was God's promise. I'm going to give you a land. And then God's going to make Abraham's descendants into a great nation. He's going to give Abraham a family. Now, why is this important? Abraham has no family at this point. He has no children. His wife, Sarah, is barren. She's unable to give Abraham a child. And here's God saying, I'm going to give you a nation, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. You're going to become the father of faith, a land, a nation, and blessings. Now, now, this is really bizarre because none of this had been fulfilled at this time. The land that uh, God was going to give Abraham was a land that he didn't even know about yet. Hebrews 11.8, the great uh, faith chapter, Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. We use this word a lot, unprecedented. In other words, we don't know where we're going. The best that our president and the, the task force can do, the best that, that our, our governor uh, Newsom can do, the, the best that our county can do, we still don't know where we're going to be six days from now or 10 days from now. We don't know where we're going. Unprecedented. It all the more cries for us to trust God in what we don't know. Yeah. 
All we have seen in life teaches us to trust God for all that we've not seen. All that we know that God has done for us causes us to trust God for all that's going to be. Now, it says in Hebrews 11:8, by faith Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> a guy on a journey not knowing where he's going? Yeah, most of you ladies out there will chuckle because if you've driven with your man or boyfriend, uh, you've recognized at times that they don't know where they're going. Yeah, back before GPS, when we had those maps that we used to hold out, I, I remember times with Debbie, my wife, where we'd get in the car and I said, don't worry, babe, I got this. I know where we're going. And we'd get out and I'd get lost. And, and guess what I did? What any man would do. I made her go into a store or a market or a gas station and ask for directions as I sat there embarrassed. Yeah. Well, guys, if you've ever been there, you know what I mean. But here's Abraham going to a land he doesn't know. He's obeying God. Now, in the years ahead, God would lead him to this land. The land would be Canaan. And Abraham did not always express great faith. There were times where he doubted. One of those times is when he grabs the, 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 the servant named Hagar and sleeps with her and has a child because Abraham was tired of God's delay in his life. So he figures, you know what? I'm going to help God along in his promise. So he has a child. The child's name is Ishmael, and I call him the son of doubt. He was birthed out of the doubt that lived in Abraham's heart. And imagine poor Sarah. If you read the story, Sarah was not a happy camper when Ishmael and Abraham were hanging out together. When Ishmael was bouncing on Abraham's knee or studying the Torah together with his dad. Because Sarah knew something else was going on. God was up to something. God was going to do something else. So now we fast forward the, the story of their life, about 25 years. Abraham's about 100 years old. Sarah's about 91 years of age. He looks over at her. She's getting dressed in the morning and says to God, she's not the foxy woman she used to be. <laughs> she's in her 90s. Go figure. But to the miracle of God, God allows this woman who's far beyond childbearing years, and who was barren when she was young to deliver the child, the child of promise. And they named him Isaac, and Isaac's name means laughter. They probably laughed. They thought, hey, we, we could go to the restaurant and get both the kid's meal and the senior citizen price. Yeah. Can you imagine that this child was born, the son of promise, and all of a sudden things start to click for Abraham. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to cause you to be a blessing. And we know that today, Abraham's called the father of faith, and through him, we are blessed. And through Isaac, the son of Abraham, came the line of Jesus Christ. So when uh, Jesus went to Ancestry.com, he could see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and King David all the way through. Now, what does this remind us of? 
that God always has a plan, that his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts, but he always has an amazing plan in mind. We're going to see that unfold this morning. The first thing I'd like you to write down if you have your notes, and forgive me for not inviting you to get your notes at mylfc.com. They're there for you, but you can just write this down on a piece of paper somewhere if you're a note taker. Faith is trusting God to provide during doubts, detours, darkness, and difficult times. Now, it's almost like we don't need to write that down. We get it. We're going through a test. Sometime later, Abraham was tested. Later than what? After the miraculous birth of a long-awaited son? After teaching Isaac to talk, to walk, to run, to throw a, a ball or a boulder? After building memories? After teaching him the Torah, the Word of God? After sacrificing animals for the sins of the family and having his son go with him on the mountain, with the wood, with the fire, with the knife, with the rope to tie down the animal, and with the animal itself. And it's odd that as Isaac is a teenager, a test comes to him that seems very senseless and inhumane. In Genesis 22.2, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. No laughing now. No one's cheering and celebrating now. And what is Abraham thinking as he packs up Isaac, as he heads up the mountain? This goes against all parental instinct that God has placed in human beings. Several Days later, as they get closer to the spot, Abraham carries the wood for the fire, the knife, the rope, everything that would be used to kill the animal sacrifice. But one thing is missing, the sacrifice itself. Abraham knows what Isaac doesn't know. In Genesis 27, 7, the fire the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? A valid question. Where? Maybe you've been asking some where questions. Yeah, oh, over there are the stack of bills. Where's the money and the resources to pay those bills? The students are here in their house. But where will they get the adequate education they need? The education for the sixth grader to become a middle schooler or the middle school education for somebody to become a high schooler. Or as somebody asked me recently, my son is longing to get into a college. And sure, he's going to graduate, but probably without the normal graduation ceremony. And will he have the adequate, again, the school district's done a great job, but will he be adequately prepared to handle the rigors of college curriculum? I have no answers for that, but I know people are asking lots of where questions right now. Where will the comfort come for the family who's grieving the loss of a loved one? Where will the economy be in a year? 
in two years or three years. And the questions go on and on. But I have an answer for you. In Genesis 22.4, Abraham responds and he says, God himself will provide. Actually, it's verse 8. I apologize. God himself will provide. You know what that word is? Jehovah Jireh. Now, I wonder if we took a moment and just said it right now. Jehovah Jireh. In the middle of our homes or our cars or our backyards, whenever it is, wherever it is you're watching this, Jehovah Jireh, you're the God that provides greater than what I see, greater than what I know or understand. And Abraham takes Isaac, his only son whom he loves. He ties him up. He binds his arms together so there'll be no struggle at the end. And no doubt he gives him a hug. Once a young child that he cuddled, now a teenage boy, he he gives him a hug. He, He places him on the altar. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham reasoned to himself that God would bring his son back to life if he sacrificed his son. Oh, what great faith Abraham had. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And if he doesn't provide a sacrifice, he will resurrect my son. There had been no resurrections from the dead ever recorded before this. But Abraham somehow believed that everything was going to be all right because God was still God. And God was Jehovah Jireh, the God who would provide. If God could give him a son when he was 100 years old, he reasoned that anything is possible. So in Genesis 22, 10 to 12, the story goes on that he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And while the knife was over his head, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. I don't think he wasted one second of time. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Now that I know that you reverence me. Now that I know you'll do anything I say because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham didn't miss the voice of God. What if he'd never even obeyed God? He would have missed this miracle of Jehovah Jireh that we see in Genesis twenty-two thirteen. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, He saw a ram caught by its horns. This is so important. Don't miss this. Caught by his horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, Jehovah Jireh. And verse 14 goes on to say, so Abraham called that place, the Lord will, you could say it wherever you are, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said that on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The God who provides. The God who will provide for you and for me. No matter what we're going through, I keep hearing God say, and without over-spiritualizing, I want to declare this to you. I keep hearing God say, I will provide. I will take care of my people. They're the children of my hand. I'm the good shepherd. And all the promises of God are true. No matter what we face, no matter what we see, no matter what we fear. 
He says to me, <laughs> and he says to you, will you believe me? Will you trust me? Yeah, but where, God, where, where's our help going to come from? How, God, are you going to make it happen? Well, the mountain on which Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son Isaac is called Mount Moriah. Many years later, they would build the city of Jerusalem on that very same mountain, Jerusalem. A few weeks ago, we marked the Passover, where the death angel would pass over the homes of the children of Israel. And those homes that had the blood of the lamb upon them were the homes that were spared. That Sunday before Passover was called Lamb Selection Sunday. What they would do is they would go to the marketplace and find a lamb without blemish or spot. The lamb could not be blind in any of its eyes. The lamb had to have perfect teeth. The lamb had to have perfect feet. Couldn't be crippled at all. Now, in some of the minor prophets, we see some people trying to sacrifice what we would call discount lambs, blemished lambs. And God said, I'm tired of that. Who's the blemished lamb? Well, all of us are blemished. We're the lambs who follow after God. But there's one who was unblemished, who was perfect and pure in all of his ways, and that's Jesus Christ, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And so what happened on Lamb Selection Sunday, they would declare that a lamb has been chosen to sacrifice and to take away the sins of the people. What happened on Palm Sunday? The Lamb of God, Jesus, rides into the city of Jerusalem with shouts of praise and worship. He doesn't come on a stallion, which is a animal of war. He comes on a donkey, which is an animal of peace. He's the prince of peace. Oh, and it gets better. He comes riding in Jerusalem, which is the very dirt on which uh, uh, Mount Moriah was, the very dirt on which Jerusalem was formed. And a few days later, Jesus is betrayed by one of those closest to him and arrested and illegally tried. But then on Golgotha, on the same mountain, where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, they nail him to a cross. And can you imagine the sound of the, of the shofar that would be blown? The ram's horn, the, the ram caught in the thicket by its horn. And here is the very familiar sound that they would hear from the shofar. Once it sounded, everyone stopped. The merchants stopped selling in the marketplace. The children stopped playing. The, the, the mothers who were gathering fruits or vegetables stopped. The students in school stopped. The people at work in their fields stopped. Everyone stopped and grew silent. Why? Because the sound of the shofar was signifying the fact that at that exact 
moment, a lamb of sacrifice was being made to God by the priest on behalf of the people. And it was the same time every day, 9 a.m. in the morning, the shofar, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the shofar. Many of you Bible scholars know it was 9 a.m. when Jesus was put on the cross. And by 3 p.m., Jesus had given up the spirit or the ghost. He gave up his life. Did Abraham have any idea as he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac that he would actually be showing us the very act of God? Isaac was the son of promise, the son that he loved. Now we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whatever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, back when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, God had a plan of redemption in place. God had a plan going forward. God was looking down the quarters of time to people like you and like me who would need a sacrifice that would take away our sins, that would heal our hearts. And it was Jesus Christ, the real sacrifice. And the Bible says he died once and for all. Oh yeah, we're in a test right now. But please, could I encourage you to remember the God Jehovah Jireh, who's Grace is more than sufficient for us. It'd be many years later that the Apostle Paul would write from a jail cell, Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs. Doesn't say all your greeds. Doesn't say all your wants. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, what does all those needs include? Well, everything. He says, all, all your needs. You see, the second thing I want you to see today is faith is trusting God to meet or supply all my needs. I rest on his unchanging grace. God's going to meet all of our needs. What needs? He's going to meet my physical and material needs, all of them, all of them. He loves you so much that even now he's working behind the scenes to arrange the resources that we need to come to our rescue, to provide for us, and to answer the prayers that we pray. We've all heard stories how God has provided for people. People got a job that they never thought they should get. Or sometimes at the 11th hour, uh, some un, unthought of resources come in, or somebody drops a, a bag of groceries on your porch, or or somebody writes you a check. Oh, maybe you've had this happen to you. It happened to me before where somebody all of a sudden thought about me and paid back a debt that was decades old. And it came at the right moment, at the right time. This is the miracle working God who provides for us, just like he provided the ram caught in the thicket of physical and material need. He also meets my emotional and relational needs. God knows some of you, your emotions are shot. When your relationships have been severed, when, when there's been misunderstanding or where there's been um, just, just heartache in relationships. And again, the frustration of the day 
really heightens all of this and magnifies all of this. Don't minimize what you're going through. And don't minimize how it's impacting you in regards to others. I had someone tell me recently, you know, my, my, my wife and I are best friends. We've always been best friends. But right now, after being quarantined together and in seclusion, I'm just happy if I can make her top 10 list. You know, we're not best friends anymore. Well, I know he's saying it in jest, but for some, it's true. For others of you, this has been a blessing where you've actually been able to connect with people you've not connected with or been around your kids. But God's going to supply all our emotional needs and our relational needs. He's our friend. He's our encourager. And he'll supply the right people at the right time. I can't tell you how many people have called Lompoc Foursquare Church to simply say, we're praying for you. Thank you to the media team for pushing these services out or our Friday night, the night of worship and prayer. Or yesterday, Melissa Paz gave us a great message with a suitcase. If you haven't seen it, go to our Facebook and find it. It's great on how to trust God and give him all our worries. It was an excellent message. And you responded and said, thank you for the content. Or the Wednesday night uh, at 6 o'clock as we're in the book of Psalms together. Thank you so much. Or our youth are pushing out services and our, our collective young adults as well are doing some great things with Tyler and Mason and the team. We're so grateful. But you've been so encouraging to us. Thank you. We've received cards from people, some that we know, some that we don't know. We've received emails from people that aren't even a part of LFC but have been watching us online. And we say, thank you, thank you. Through that, God supplies our emotional and our relational needs as well. But here's the last one, most important of all. My spiritual needs at the deepest levels of my soul are met. My spiritual needs. There's a sound. There's a sound today. You might not be able to hear it with your natural ears. But with spiritual ears, you could hear the ram's horn, the shofar sounding that the sacrifice has been made for all of us. It's a sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the lamb whose mercy takes away all of our sins, the lamb who can comfort us in these times of difficulty. And as we've been doing every week, I want to read together our declaration, our statement of faith, that we're building our lives on the promises of God. So here we go with your best 10, 12 voice, wherever you are, let's read it together. We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. And that's the place to build your life. So we go back to the story. There's Abraham. There's his son. And he looks at his boy and he said, don't worry, son. God will provide. What great faith. And no wonder we call him the father of faith. And then we realize from that very spot, Jerusalem and the first temple was built, the place where sacrifices were made. And the holy of holies was contained. And then Jesus Christ himself, our Savior, would die on that very geographical spot. 
Now, why am I going back and rehearsing those points again? Because that's the kind of God we have, where every detail is figured out. You may not know it now. Where every test that's given has a purpose, you may not realize it now. And where everything that we face, God has an answer for. You may not have received it now, but it will come. Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and the love and the promise of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.